0: In the English language, there are words that we like the results of, we like what they mean, but we struggle through the process, in fact, they cause us fear. One of those words, for example, is fitness. We like the results, but we don't like the process so much. And one of those words, and this is what I'm going to speak to you today, is the word change. We know that in every area of our life, or maybe in just one area of our lives, we, we want to change. There is something that we want to change. However, we fear the process. Change is something that is real and is something that we cannot escape. For instance, if you lived in Los Angeles and you transited on the streets of Los Angeles in 1920, you were on your wagon pulled by horses at 10 miles an hour. Today, with the fast cars that we drive and the freeways, you can go on the 210 at 5 miles an hour at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. That is Change. Change affects us in ways that we don't understand, and change will always be there. The problem is that too much change brings us fear. In fact, uh, one of the psychologists uh, recently discovered that there's about 300 points of stress in our lives, and out of those, change is one. We stress when change happens, especially when it's change that we cannot control. So the question that we have for today, family, is the question, is there something, something that remains stable in the universe? Is there something that, that remains fixed? Is there something that I can trust that will not change? And there's something that I can hold on to that can hold me up when change is happening to me. I'd like to invite you to open your, your notes or your Bibles. You received a blue sheet with a bulletin uh, this morning, or just a blue sheet perhaps. And uh, uh, as we go into those notes, let's go to James chapter 1, verse 17. Today we'll read from the New King James Version, and he reads like this. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Let's repeat that last sentence again. Whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. There is no variation. Variation is a synonym of change. Shadow of turning is the idea that he will remain the same, that he will not flip. So if there is something better said, someone who can remain unchanging, that is trustworthy enough to remain the same in every circumstance and situation, we can be assured that is God above. Malachi 3.6 in the first part, it says, for I am the Lord, I do not change. In other words, God's saying, the moment that I've changed, I can no longer be the Lord of the universe. He says, the reason why I am the Lord is because I do not change. He is always the same. He has an an ability that we don't have, and that ability is called immutability. Immutability. That's the ability to not change, regardless of time, distance, and situation. And that is another reason why. God is perfect because He doesn't change. Everything else in creation changes except God. And and we can see how we change. Oftentimes we say, no, I'm the same, right? How many times have you said that? The other day uh, uh, we were, after prayer with the kids at night, we were laying on one of the boys' beds. And we were talking about things, and, and Paola was caressing my hair, as she usually does. <laughs> and I know, you right away look over there, so she, she's there, right? And uh, and as she was going through my hair with her fingers, she said, honey. I said, uh-oh. What? I said, honey, uh, your hairline is... Uh, moving. And that's when I realized that we really don't change. What, cha- what changes are the lines. The hairline, the waistline, and for some the credit line. But what changes are the lines, not us. And, and it's funny because when she said your hairline is going automatically, I felt 45 years old. But see, God, God never changes. And like we said, if changes cause us stress, how would we feel if God would change? But see, God doesn't. In fact, because He doesn't change, He gives us assurance in three different areas. Jeremiah 31.3 tells us the first one. In fact, you can put it on your notes. God's love for me never changes. The Lord, says Jeremiah 31.3, appear of all to me saying, yes, I have loved you. You see that? I have what? Are you breathing this morning? Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. Wow. God is giving us the image of an artist, of an artist who has the ability to imagine, to have feelings for something that he's about to form and create, and then to do it with that passion and love. I'm not an artist. In fact, when I was in college, I took drafting. And after one of the assignments, my, my my uh, professor told me, you are an architect. I never worked doing drafting. I never did it. But that's as artistic as I could get using a computer. But I've seen people. In fact, the, the other last week, uh, my, my kid, great Giovanni, he, they had to do uh, some depiction of Desmond Das. You remember Desmond Doss? The The survivor of the war, the hero of the war. There was a movie just recently made out of this story. And and, uh, so they had to do a depiction. And this girl, this eighth grader, she drew every scene. I don't know if it was a movie or the story. I'm not sure where she got the idea from. But she made a drawing of every movie and looked like a comic book. I don't know uh, how she did it. In fact, I'm questioning if she did it. But whoever did it, it was so artistic that that even as we were looking at all the diagrams and all the things that they diagram, how do they call them? Whatever. All those things, uh, uh, we were looking at them. And when we got to that one, those drawings, we were like, whoa, that's amazing. That is amazing. I can't imagine God thinking about you before you were born. I can think about God with the love of a father who is expecting a child. With the love of a mother who feels the heartbeat for the first time. You remember those days, that moment? See, back when my boys were born, before they were born, it was just the ultrasound. And you know the ultrasound thing, they go, remember those? And it was just a picture and you don't know what it was? Now they're all like 3D and stuff you can actually see the face and well imagine God before you were born before you were created he's thinking about you with a passionate love and as he put all your cells together he's doing it because he loves you But in real life what frustrates us the much, the, the more, the, the most, one of those three, what first traces the most is relationships. Because see, people change, right? I can tell you the times that somebody came to my office and said, Pastor, I need to talk to you. See, my husband is not the same person I married. I can tell you the times that a that. I, that I, 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 parent came to my office and said, Pastor, I can't understand my children. They were so lovely and so cute and so nice when they were little, but now they're monsters. And the truth is that people change. People change. And as, and as we go through, 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 through relationships, what makes it difficult is the changes that are happening on people, even changes that are happening in ourselves. And, and because those changes happen and we're not able to understand them, we get frustrated. In fact, our love changes. Let's be honest. You remember when you used to walk out of, the, out of a building with, with, with your girlfriend or your wife? And you used to stop at the car on her side and open the door for her? Remember that? When is the last time you did it? Because we don't do those things anymore. We change the first things. Maybe that's why. Maybe that's why uh, uh, John says in, in, uh, in Revelation, remember the things when you had your first love. Remember that? Because we tend to forget those things. And those things make us change. But see, God never, never acts out of character. In fact, he says in Romans 8, 38, 39, For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any created thing, shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. In fact, he's saying no matter what, The economy, the president, seems like I always end up there for some reason. No matter what, my love for you will never change. Because I don't change. The point that I want to share with you about this, what we can take home, what we can understand for our lives today, is that... We always get in trouble when we doubt God's love. We always get in trouble when we doubt God's love. You go to bed one day and you get up the next morning and your mood can be different. You change. Something happened. You get up upset. I heard about a conversation that, 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 uh, that, that two people were having, and, and one of them asked the other, hey, do you wake up grumpy in the morning? And, and the person answered, no, she wakes up all by herself. Um, but see, oftentimes, uh, are you awake this morning? Uh, Oftentimes we wake up and you know, we're angry, we're mad, we, we, we're, we, we're, we're worried, we, we're just different than the day before. And the reason we, we do that is because we think that our circumstances change. We think that there's something that God cannot do but that we have to worry about. And, and because we forget the magnitude and, 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 and presence and reality of God's love for us, we get in trouble. Our attitude changes because we forget that God does not. Change. This morning, we have a testimony for you. And, and I want to invite uh, Pauline Reed. Ah, uh, there she is. There she is. She has a testimony that, that will remind us that God loves. God, God's love never changes.
1: Happy Sabbath Church. So a few weeks ago I shared with a group at Get Connected about a friend of mine that was waiting for a very long time to have a baby, herself and her husband, for about five years. And when she eventually got pregnant, it turned out that she developed complications and so her baby was born way earlier than expected. Um, Herself and the baby, they were very sick and... um, she sent me a picture of the baby at birth, and I told her that we would pray for her baby. That's the baby all intubated and everything, cords all over, wires all over. And I passed the baby's name onto the prayer warriors group of our church, our church have a prayer warrior group. And so they too joined in praying for the baby and then I passed it on to... I shared my testimony with the group at Get Connected, and others decided that they would join in the prayer. So this morning, we are rejoicing because I want to emphasize that God still hears and answers prayers. We serve a great God, and it doesn't matter what it is, we can take our concerns to God and he hears and answers her prayers. This morning I'm so happy because um, they told her that the baby would be in the hospital for about eight weeks. The baby eventually came out three weeks earlier and as the time progresses she would tell me that she realized that God is answering our prayers because of the progress of her baby and I followed Jean's advice and invited her to church. She told me give me the name of your church the address, the time, the hour, I'll be there. And so last week she texted me and said, my baby is out of the hospital and I want to come to your church. And this morning, Yuleta is here with her baby. Can you stand, Yuleta? That's Yuleta. Yuleta and baby Fernando. Thanks be to God for answered prayer. As we all know, the prayer shawl ministry of our church is very closely related to the prayer warriors group, and so they have a prayer shawl for her, and I'll pass it on to her.
0: Thank you. Isn't that awesome? Julieta, thank you for being here. And, And not just that, but I believe that all of us who are here today we are here because god has got a plan for us and the plan is to tell us that he loves us so much that regardless of the circumstance regardless of the challenges he's always going to be there and he loves you he loves fernando he, he loves you guys with passionate love thank you for being here thank you for being here so god's love I'm going to have to start again. (laughs) God's love never changes. And the second thing, um, God's love for what? What happened? I I think we got to go to God's word never changes now. Yeah. God's word never changes. And and his commandments don't change. His, His principles don't change. They're timeless. Isaiah 48 says, Chapter 40, verse 8 says, the, wild, the, uh, the grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. Stands forever. See, the Bible is an interesting book. Because it's very different than many other books. In fact, that every other book. The Bible was not written at one time. It wasn't written by one person. It wasn't inspired by one only thing. The Bible was written over a period of of 400 years, and it was written by more than 40 authors. The authors were poor people and kings. They were hunters, and they were fishermen. There were all kinds of walks of life, but they were inspired by the same truth. The Bible is such an interesting book. That even though it was written through so many years of separation between books, they all come to the same agreement. The Bible has been the book that it's been persecuted the most than any other book. It's been prohibited through many periods of history in fact it's been banned it's been burned it's been trying to get get rid of but guess what the Bible still remains because the Bible is not the book authored by a man it's authored by God God did not dictate the Bible which is really interesting some people believe that God said word by word but no the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God inspired the man who had an experience with God to translate those experiences into what we have today as the Bible. One of the proofs that something is true and that something is permanent is the longevity of it. I, I went through my library uh the one I have at home, the few books that I have, and I found some magazines that I had from the 1980s. And I had a couple of the the, uh, volumes of Psychology Today from the 1980s. And uh, I checked them out to see what they were talking about. I I was looking for some kind of uh, information, sermon illustrations, and then I was reading some of the suggestions of what at the time were the thing on human behavior. And as I was going through some of those articles, I was laughing out loud because today those theories are disproven, debunked, and nobody uses this anymore because they cause more harm than good. But at the time, they were the thing. What happens when somebody writes a book is that as, as soon as you publish it, it begins to be obsolete. Regardless of what area of profession or expertise a book is written for, as soon as it's printed, it becomes obsolete. Back in my days after high school, I studied computer information systems. Yeah. And uh, I have some of my books on programming from those days. And I found a book of COBOL 86. Half of you don't even know what that is. See, when I graduated from that program, Windows 95 wasn't even out. We used DOS. So uh, it's obsolete now. Nobody knows what DOS is anymore. Nobody uses it anymore. Nobody uses Windows 95 anymore. Much less Cobol. Because see, as soon as you write a book, as soon as you have a theory, as soon as you put it on pencil, what happens inevitably, inevitably is that the book is going to become obsolete. But God's word has been around for thousands of years and the words on that book are more real and present and accurate than ever before and as we approach the end of time those words those statements those promises become more and more real for those who accept the love of jesus matthew seven twenty four says therefore whoever hears these sayings of mine you know who's talking who's talking here jesus Jesus. This is Matthew. Hint, the gospel. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will like him to a wise man who builds his house on a rock. Jesus is talking about two kinds of builders. One builder is building a house, a beautiful mansion on the rocks. And another one is building a beach house right on the sand. You know, it's funny. I, I, I always, my dream was always to have a church near the beach so I can leave near the beach and go play volleyball in the mornings. But I could never afford one. But the builder says that build the house on the sand. When the storm came, the sand diluted under the foundation of the lack of foundation because there was no rock, only sand. And what happened to the house? crumble down. But the one that built on the rock on the hills of Pasadena, the house after the storm remains because it's built on solid ground. Jesus is saying, he who hears my words, he who built his life with my words with this book with the Bible will have a solid foundation because family in all the instability that this world offers today our stability comes from building my life on God's unchanging word back when uh NASA was starting the conquest of a space if we can call it conquest right They asked one of the first astronauts, what are you depending most when you're out there? When you're in space, what do you trust? And the astronaut responded, my trust is that God does not change his laws. And if you remember your physics class... God invented the law of gravity. God invented the laws of space and physics. God invented chemistry. Yes, He did. Because see, you know now that you don't mix certain chemicals and put them in your eyes. Now we know that some things together are harmful. And that never changes. Now we know that if you drop from a height... You might get hurt. And that doesn't change. Because, see, God invented the laws of nature. And just as the laws of nature depend on God's design, so the laws of human behavior, so the laws of the universe. And every single law that exists comes from the foundation. Of God's Word. The reality we have to face as human beings. is the same reality, the same experience that Eve and Adam had to face when they were in the garden. You remember, everything was beautiful. Everything was perfect. At the end of creation, God said, and He saw that it was... You remember that from last week, right? But there on the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, it sounds awesome, right? sounds really special. The knowledge of good and evil. There was the serpent. And the question that the serpent put in Eve's head was, Did God say what the serpent questioned where the the words that came from God? Are you with me? The question, the seed of doubt that was planted on humanity was the question of the validity of the meaning of the words of God. That happened then, it happened yesterday, happens today, and it will happen until Jesus returns. Because those same seeds of doubt were planted in heaven when Satan, being Lucifer, convinced a third of the angels of heaven of the truth of the words of God. And every time that my life is not built on God's Word, I will be on shaky ground. So, the first thing we need to remember is that God's love never changes. The second thing is that God's Word, good I was worried for a second. God's Word never changes. And the third thing, family, that we need to remember today is that God's purpose for my life never changes. God's purpose for my life never changes. Isaiah 14, 24 says, The Lord of hosts has sworn, saying, Surely as I have thought, so it shall come to pass. And as I have purposed, so it shall stand. So the purpose of God never changes. God's, God's will in humanity, it's been present from day one of history. History, in reality, as cliche as it sounds, is God's story. Every individual, every person, every happening Every record of history is is being part of the interaction of God and humanity. Good things and bad things. And every single event will take us to the climax of the history of God. In other words, it's part of His plan. When we hear these words, the first question that comes to our head is, well, then God is not so loving as He says He is. Why do innocent people have to suffer? Why do worse have to happen? Why do people have to die? As human beings, we have become obsessed with understanding things. We have become obsessed with finding the answers. In fact, in fact, as Christians and as churchgoers, we oftentimes think that the pastor has all the answers. Oh, contraire. And that's all the French I know. Oftentimes, all we have to understand is that God... Is present, and He has a plan. S- having said that, let me tell you this. What if we lived in a world with no diseases? What if we lived in a world with no pain? What if we lived in a world with no evil, with no sin, with no, with no uh, uh, evil, with, 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 with no bad things happening, with, with no suffering, with no... Assaults or, or, or bombs or terrorism or, or bad economies or, or racism. What if we lived in a world that it, it, by all stretch of the imagination would be perfect? Our conclusion would be, if we were in such a world, well, we're good here. We don't need to go to heaven. Now... That would be great, but that happens when we forget God's purpose. And this is where I'm going to get theological with you. God's purpose for us is not to live in heaven. God's purpose for us is not to live on the new earth. God's purpose for us is to live eternity with Him. That was the plan from the beginning. To live eternity with Him. We failed. And God's plan is for us to restore the relationship with His creatures so that one day when the plan is completed, all those who accepted the blood of Jesus as His Savior as their Savior, will be with God forever. Do you understand that the reason why there is pain and suffering and diseases and wars and terrorism and all these bad things that we are accustomed to now today, because they only hurt when they're close to us, is so that we see how sin can be, how far it can get, how bad it can become, that we hope for one day, for all that to end, but at the end of the day, God's purpose has never changed, and that is for each one of His creatures to live eternity with Him. In fact, Psalm thirty-three eleven says, "Read with me: The counsel of the Lord stands forever; the plan of His heart to who? To all generations." to all. His plan is for everyone. In fact, see, there are two reasons why our plans change. One is we didn't have the foresight. We didn't know what was going to happen. And the second thing our plans change is because we have a lack of power to complete them. That's why our plans change. Oh, don't tell me you never planned something and then you changed it because things didn't go your way. But see, God has all the resources. He has all the power. And He has all the foresight before it happens. God has the ability to make His plans from the beginning and make them happen. So the point that we need to understand, family, what we got to take home today, is that God does not have a plan B for us. Whatever happens in our life is part of plan A. Now, think of the biggest mistake that you ever made in your life. Okay, don't tell anybody. Just think about it. Think of the biggest mistake you made in your life. Think of the worst decision you ever made. Think of the darkest sin that you ever committed. But don't think on it too much. But think of those things. And you probably have thought at one point in your life, well, I, I don't think that was part of God's plan for my life. I don't think God wanted me to do that. And you're right. He didn't. He didn't make us to sin. But we can think back and look at those things and say, well, I am the person that I am today. Not only because of the good choices that I made, but also the bad ones. That was part of God's plan in your life. Because you never understood forgiveness until you were forgiven. You never understood the power of sin until you sinned. I'm not telling you to go sin and experience it so you know how bad it is. I'm not telling you that. What I'm telling you is that whatever happened in your life in the past, it was part of God's plan. It, It is not a crazy idea, it is in the Bible. God says many times that He would allow the sin of the people to come to a place that they would be ready to see the next part of the plan. That doesn't mean that He didn't cry for Jerusalem when they got to that point. But it was part of the plan. Because God saw that happening... Before it happened. And that is also included in his plan A. Romans 10, 9 says, and this is the plan. This is part of the plan. In fact, this is the whole plan. Look at it with me. Romans 10, 9. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in his heart, in your heart, that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will be saved. In fact, this is a memory text that we will have in your cards. When you leave, take your card because this is a text that we got to memorize. This is what we have to remember. This is a thing that we cannot forget because this is a plan. This is a purpose that God has for each one of us. That even though we've sinned, we never forget that we have a Savior. Somebody who was willing to die for our imperfections. And even though he didn't need to, he came. To show us the way to come to the purpose. To fulfill the word that never changes. And to show us the love that is always and will be always there for us. Because that is God's immutability. That is God's inability to change. Because God remains the same today, yesterday, And forever. Peter was one of the disciples. Peter was called for one thing. When Jesus approached him by by the shore, he told him, Peter, you will no longer be just a fisherman. You will be a fisher of men. I love that play on words. And Peter was with Jesus for three and a half years. We could say that he got credit for a B.A. in theology for the greatest master, master, for the greatest teacher in history. And everything was fine. In fact, the Bible tells us that Peter, Peter, he healed the sick. He expelled demons. But one day when Jesus tells them, Peter... You know, I'm leaving. It's time for me to go. It's time for me, away, for, for me to be away from you so that the next step can happen. And Peter said, Lord, I, I would never let you do that. In fact, Jesus called him Satan at one point. Because he was becoming an instrument of the devil. But Peter understood that that, that needed to happen. But Peter had a problem. He thought he knew better than Jesus. So Jesus tells the disciples, guys, it it is necessary. It it needs to happen that that I'll be crucified, that I'll be killed. So that I can demonstrate the power of God. So that I can manifest the love of the Father. And Peter said, you know, everyone might leave you, but I will never. I will never do it. And I can just see the face of Jesus. I can just see his smile. Just like when we say we're going to do something and when we don't do it. Peter. Before the rooster crows in the morning, you're going to deny me. Not once, not twice. Three times. The night came. Jesus was arrested. Peter showed, wanted to show how much he loved Jesus, that he was willing not to die for him. He was willing to kill for him. And he chops, he he chops Michael's ear. Jesus took it and put it back. Peter, no, 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 no. Because whoever... Killed by the sword will die by the sword. It's not like that. My kingdom is not like that at all. Not even mourning. When Peter was approached, hey, weren't you the guy that was with Jesus? Were, weren't you one of his followers? Oh no. No, no, it wasn't me. One time. Second time, a young girl approaches, hey, hey, hey I know you. You are one of those Galilean dudes. Well, maybe that was not the biblical term, but, you know, in the, in the Hebrew it says, dude. Um, and he says, you were one of those guys. I know you ain't Peter to, to prove that he wasn't it. In fact, he, the Bible tells us that he cursed. Second time. Somebody else came, Peter, I know you. You've been, with, you've been with Jesus. In fact, you were there when he healed and then you spoke in his name. And at that moment in his heart, Peter had already denied the Lord. The rooster crows. Can you imagine what it sounded like in Peter's heart when he heard that rooster? He failed failed he failed in fact some theologians believe that the difference the difference between judas selling jesus and peter denying the lord was that peter remember one thing that if you claim that jesus is the lord and you confess your sins he has the power to forgive you, can you imagine what it would have been if Judas had to repent? If Judas had said, instead of hanging himself, whoa, Jesus, I'm sorry, I repent. I guarantee you that instead of Peter being the one preaching in Pentecost, Judas would have been the one. Can you imagine the witness? Can you imagine? testimony I was the one who sold them but Jesus forgave me but Judas forgot one little thing that he was part of the plan if you remember Jesus told them when they dipped the bread at the same time he said friend whatever you're going to do do it quickly but it was a Pentecost that Peter And he preached one thing, repent. Repent in the name of Jesus. And if there is one thing that we need to do today, if you are a new Christian, if you are a Christian for a long time, or if you are a non-Christian, we all need to remember this, that all that has happened in our life is been part of God's plan. And when we realize that His love isn't changing for us, that His plan isn't changing, and that His word isn't changing, we have a chance to experience eternity with Him. We have a plan to live a life without pain, without suffering, without struggle, without stress. And there is nothing that can change our destiny because the one that controls the destiny is in control of my life. So today I want to pray with you that today you want to come to the savior you want to recommit your life to the savior this is the day that we say lord i repent in the name of jesus let us pray our heavenly father we are so grateful that in this world of turmoil and 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 violence and uncertainty we have one thing that is for certain, and that is the love of Jesus. We have one thing that is for certain, and that is the word of Jesus. And that one thing that is for certain, and that is the purpose of Jesus. The purpose that is written in His word and the love that was manifested on the cross. And Father, today with our sins, with our history, with our past, with our uncertainties and worries, we come before you to ask you to be, please, please be the rock on which we built our house. Be the rock that will hold us up when we feel down. Be the rock that maintains us up with the assurance of your coming. And be the rock that would help us through When we are the weakest. Father, we pray that as we are gathered today, we'll be gathered when you come back to fulfill the purpose of eternal life. To fulfill the ultimate promise of being with you forever. I pray for my brothers and sisters. For those who heard this message for the first time. For those who are watching online and for those who are here today Who maybe forgot about your power and your love. That Jesus, that Jesus will be our present. And that his word keep us through until he comes. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you all.